What does it mean to be the first? According to the dictionary, the first is defined as coming before all others in time or order, foremost in position, ranking or importance. Being the first at anything requires you to take risk and step out of your comfort zone. It also may require you to do something that those before you have never done before. Though being the first can also mean that you set the tone for those who come behind you, it can also be pressure filled to be the trendsetter and the door opener. Whether you are the first born in your family, whether you are the first to make it out of the hood, whether you are the first to acquire wealth, whether you are the first to seek healing and pain management through therapy, life coaching and counseling, whether you are the first to say no and set healthy boundaries, whether you are the first to go to college, whether you are the first to actually graduate college, whether you are the first in your family to have kids or not have kids, whether you are the first in your family to do something where you get in trouble and go to jail or whether you're the first in your family to come out of jail and try to activate your second chance. All of it, all of it can come with pressures and burdens that we do not know how to navigate. Today, here on the latest episode of the I Said No podcast, I am joined by one of my favorites. Yep, my still sharpener, BJ of Change the Subject podcast. And we are going to discuss the first. Are you ready for the latest episode of the I Said No podcast? Let's go. Now keep in mind that I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. Beautiful soul unicorns. Nope. It's Stephanie, the life architect. Oh, hell no. How about no? No, 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 no. Hell no. Hashtag ISN pod. Lord, use us. Somebody will need to hear what we have to say. Amen. Okay. Beautiful souls, I told you my steel sharpener was here and I'm not playing. Oh, no, no, no. I am not playing. I am honored to have the one and only BJ the host, the creator, the, oh my goodness, did I call him a steel sharpener? I think I did. I am so honored to have him here with us today. And I'm going to shut up and let him introduce himself to you, those of you who already know him. And those of you who don't, you need to learn who he is. BJ. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> did I she do you justice? Sound, yeah, you made me sound way better than nah. I actually am. <laughs> Nah, bro. I made you sound the way you are, the what you give, what I see, what I hear, what I feel when I am in your presence, whether it's physically, whether it's through audio, whether it's through any digital platform. I just respect what you do. I respect who you are. And I'm fortunate enough to have had spent personal time with you, you know, yeah, have yeah, been in your actual the, presence. The greatest moments um, when you respect people and you get to meet them. And yeah. they are who they say and really are. You know what I'm saying? Not even what they say is more so who they are, who they, mm. you know, embody is, is truly dope. We, we all know how I look at you. I'm, you are my steel sharpener. So it's like, it's odd to hear it, but I really appreciate it. And I'm just trying to use what you and so many others give me, you know, in what you do to the good. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. I just use what, you know, I've learned from you and so many other countless people and put it to good use, but then also put my spin on it. So yeah, that's me. 
That's That's you. That's who I love. That's who I respect. That's who I appreciate. And yes, you do call me. You're still sharpening. But the beautiful thing about steel is it sharpens other steel, right? Facts. Facts. You you sharpen me in ways you know that I've shared in ways you don't even know. I don't know if any Mm -hmm. of the audience knows. There has been times I'm like, I'm going to quit everything and I don't want to be bothered. And BJ will say something that he doesn't even know is for me. He doesn't even Mm. know I needed to hear it, receive it. And it'll be on his show that has nothing to do with me or it'll be on one of our you know individual or or group calls and i'm just like damn he right (laughs) (laughs) damn bj is right and i love when a man can really step outside of the normal narrative that men normally spew and can really True. look inside of a woman and really say, let me put the patriarchy, let me put anything male-related aside and really, like, absorb what she's saying. I feel mm-hmm. you do that. I feel you do that. And that's why I love to talk to you. So, again, welcome to the I Said No podcast. You have been one of the guests that have been on my hit list for a very long time. I am wow. someone who... I'm someone who likes to record by themselves. I'm not really someone who likes to have guests on her show. So I've only had a mm-hmm. handful over the uh, two-year journey. But here you are. And I'm excited about our topic, BJ. How do you feel about our topic, the first? Oh, man. Um, anxiety is through the roof. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? You know, because when when I got the topic... And like I, I saw it. No, let me take it back. I felt it before mm-hmm. I saw it mm-hmm. because um, it's like a certain level of exposure that I'm getting ready to go into mm-hmm. when we talk about this topic. And it's perfect because I always feel seen when we talk. So it's like it's one of them things again. You know, it's that mask removal time, right? Right? They they don't call me to build the customizing designer for no reason, right? (laughs) So I've been preparing all week. Like, let me let me be honest. Let me be honest because um, the amazing thing that I will say um, actually has a lot to do with this conversation is um, there are so many changes to my respect over the last month. And um, a lot of my family have found out about my podcast because I don't really display it. So my family is finding out and um, there's like bridges being mended. And, you know, they're like, I never knew that that's what you were going through. Or I never knew Hmm. that this is what it was when, you know, you would shut the door and never come out of your room. Like right. I never knew that all of these things were, you know, happening. So of course, with this conversation, I'm going to be extremely personal and I know those people are listening now. Well, hey family. Hey, hey. What's good? What's good, family? <laughs> What's good? Brand. Yes. Hello, brand. family. You know Hello. What I'm so, Shout out to the change of subject, actual family, those relatives. You sure. are getting a greeting from Stephanie, the life architect. Welcome. And I'm glad that you are here. <laughs> <laughs> and because of all of you, 
you know, the world has BJ. So I'm forever yeah, grateful yeah. without even, you know, meeting any of you. And I am excited to hear what BJ has to say about being the first in his transparency, because I'm also, as per usual, going to be transparent as well. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to say, let's get straight into this episode. Now, Yep. before we get into the first, I had to like do my own little version out of respect and homage for the Change the Subject podcast. In no way am I QANA. Like in no way. <laughs> In no way can anyone in the world... Ah, man, this is crazy. Talk Q-A-N-A. If you have not listened to Change the Subject podcast, the Q-A-N-A section, okay, that segment is where BJ... Actually, I'm going to let you describe. What is Q-A-N-A on the Change the Subject podcast? It came from a lot of early recordings where people were extremely uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been told as of late, that when they listen to my content for so long, there's like a decompress that has to happen because I'm being so personal about people's issues that over time it's like, all right, I got to cut this off. Like he keep going in these sensitive places. You rip it open. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) naturally when people would, like come on the show because of course I'm taking something I've seen you say or do and I want to analyze it and kind of like dissect what happened in those moments. People would be so nervous because they're not prepared for my level of questioning. So I'm like, what could I do to make you feel like, okay, he's still BJ, but it's not as serious as you take BJ. And somewhere in my thought process, um, Q, a Q&A was the first thing. But I thought Q&A was just generic. That's everywhere. So I added an extra A. It's like the alternative. You get an alternative question, but you don't know how real, how deep, <laughs> or how loose that question is going to be. And so I mix them up. I got a little bowl. I pick out five or six, toss some back in, pull some back out. And I make it personal to the guests. And it's fun, you know? It is very fun. I have been (laughs) stumped many a times on your show. And not even as a guest, though I've been fortunate enough to be a guest on your show more than once. Even as a Mm -hmm. listener, as a listener, when you're not even interviewing me, I'm just like, what? I'm yelling or talking back to my (laughs) headphones like, oh my goodness, what is BJ doing to us with these questions? We're going to play I Said No. Are you ready? All right. Let's okay, get it. I'm so ready. I said no. It's simple as it states. It's you going, you're going to get three options. And I want you to tell me and the audience which option you say no to. Very simple. Okay, so we're gonna keep it light and cute at first, right? So we're gonna All do right. <laughs> we're gonna do it light and cute. So out of these three choices, which one, if you had to say no to, would you say no to? Collard greens, yams, or macaroni and cheese? Mm-mm. <laughs> Oh, that is terrible. That is terrible. You gotta say no to one. BJ is saying no to macaroni and cheese. BJ is saying no. There are some people clutching their southern soul food pearls right now. You know this, right, BJ? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. They are and clutching the pearls. that wasn't a, a answer that I, you know, just had sitting in my spirit. Like, it <laughs> Definitely was hard to make, but the reason why is it's sentimental values to the ones that I kept. So 
Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Attachments to my great grandmother, Josie. So love it. Okay, so we're gonna keep the collard greens and yams for BJ. He exed out. He said no to macaroni and cheese. Okay, next one. Mm-hmm. Out of these three choices, Martin, Fresh Prince, or my wife and kids, which one do you say no to? I'm saying no to my wife and kids. Interesting. Interesting. Why do you say that? Why is my wife and kids automatically? And I said no. Because it was a show that I enjoyed, but mm-hmm. it's not a show that I lived. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Next one. Which one out of these three do you say no to? LLC Twitter, Conspiracy Twitter, or Battle of the Sexes Twitter? Battle of the Sexes Twitter. <laughs> Get that shit out of here. I've had way more than enough. You've had your Battle cup run it over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, conspiracies don't bother me because you don't have to subscribe to that. But, you know, social media is shared with your partner, you know, and a lot of times their followers are your followers. So naturally, those things affect your relationship subconsciously, Mm -hmm. you know. So it'll be a day where Dia come and say, did you see so-and-so-and-so say this, that, and the third? And it's like, why are you on this motherfucker's Twitter? But we follow him. You know what I'm saying? So, yes. Relatable. Yeah. Relatable. Denny yeah. and I just literally, from last night until this morning, we, because of relationship, Battle of the Sexes Twitter, that whole podcast with Deval and his wife where he said she forced him in the pressure and the marriage and all that. We, oh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I completely understand what you're saying. Bye-bye, Battle of the Sexes yeah. Twitter, right? Okay, mm-hmm. next one out of one of the three have to say no to, BJ. Period sex, mercy sex, anal sex. <sighs> wow. <laughs> How does it feel to be on the other side of question? Oh, wow. Now that one is fucked up. Yeah, I'm going to say it again. Period sex, mercy sex, mercy fuck. She really don't want to give it to you. She doesn't think you're worthy, but she's giving it to you anyway. Or anal sex. Which one got to say, I said no? Um, The analytical me is going to say mercy sex. Hmm. And the reason why is because she didn't want to give it to me. If I took the other two, it was by choice. So, yeah. That makes fuck. sense. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. He's like, I really will take them all, but she's making me choose. Oh, man, I wouldn't take neither of them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, next. Let's keep it light. Twitter, Instagram, or OnlyFans? One got to go. OnlyFans. I don't even have it. You ain't even have it? You're not even with it? <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> they can keep, you going to keep your money in your pocket? Is that what you're saying? But you know what? I have a, um, I have a, a weird respect for OnlyFans now. Me too. Me too. Yeah, me yeah. Too. People are out there getting their bread. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it either. Next one. Who, what group do you say no to? Destiny's Child, In Vogue, or Jade? This is terrible. Terrible. I mean, terrible. I, I had to do it to you. Wow. Destiny's Child, In Vogue, or Jade? For those of you who don't know who Jade is, if there are any Gen Z, X, on, whatever. Man. If y'all oh, don't know man. what Don't Walk Away is, I mean, I'm going to need you to Google it because it oh, is literally one of God. the best R&B songs of all time, honestly. <laughs> honestly. Wow. <laughs> you, on, oh, man. man. I, need, I need to know. I need a Destiny's Child, In Vogue, or Jade, one of them. I'm going to say Destiny's Child. I'm going to say no to Destiny's Child. Lord, the Beehive is gearing up, honey. They are Yeah. <laughs> Facts. Because honestly, I don't live. I don't live for Destiny's Child the way that the masses do. I think right. that um, I think that I have more moments with the other two mm-hmm. where 
um, like I said, sentimental values make the difference to a lot of my decisions, even yeah. though, you know, we all know that, you know, Destiny's Child definitely come through with a few bops, but right. I just don't have any memories attached to any Destiny's Child songs, to be honest. Yeah. But I couldn't, I couldn't pick Jade or the um in Vogue. That's crazy. That's I crazy. agree. En Vogue automatically cannot be X'd out because there would be no Destiny's Child without En Vogue. I, I mean, they facts, literally copied facts, them. And by right. their own admittance as well, that was who they wanted to be, them and TLC combined. Mm-hmm. So, And Jade, I just, I adore, you know, those, those are my girls. So I'm with you on the choice, though I'm a beehiver. You know, I, I agree with <laughs> you. If I had to X them out, I'm with you on the Destiny Child. Last question, light, easy. Shoes, meaning hard bottoms, sneakers, or boots? Uh, I'm going to say no to the hard bottom. You're going to say no shoes, no shoes for BJ? Yeah. So if nah. you have to go to a black tie affair, if you have to do a tux, if you have to do a suit, what's on the feet if we're saying no to shoes? I mean, it would have been a hard bottom, <laughs> but it in comparison right. to the other two, I would prefer the other two more. Got you. Comfort is key, huh? Yep. Comfort yep. is paramount for me. I hear you. Well, thank you for playing I Said No. I hope it wasn't too brutal on you. That was about as bad as a QA and A, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Listen, it was me paying homage <laughs> to you. So if you say that that's a compliment, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> oh, thank you so that much for crazy. playing. So let's just get into it. You know, we had the light fun opening. Let's get mm-hmm. into the nitty gritty. I contacted BJ and I sent him some information about the first. To give you a little backstory, we started talking about this topic when we were recently together in Maryland. And mm-hmm. I slept. I went and slept over a con- and excuse me, I'm stuttering. You got me nervous. BJ, I went and sl- <laughs> I went to sleep and my mind, that's some of the times when I get my best ideas is in my sleep and in the shower. And I couldn't stop thinking about a, a particular line BJ shared while we were sharing personal stories. And I got up the next day and we were talking and I asked him if he would be willing to discuss the first with me based on something he shared with me. And obviously he was willing and he's here. But of course, when BJ and I talk, we are dissectors, right? We're Mm -hmm. layer peelers. We go past the surface. And I sent him some notes regarding the first and we can just get straight into it. So there are many firsts for Black people Mm -hmm. still happening today in 2020, which is something for me, BJ, that it just boggles my mind that we still have the first Black anything. happening (laughs) happening in the world today. But when I look at President Obama, when I look at Senator Kamala Harris, when I look at the pressure and the weight and the burden and the expectations that come with being the first, I really want us to break down what the benefits are from that and what are some of those burdens that I speak of when it comes to being the first. And of course, there are many first categories, but I will let you take the floor now and you let me know what you think about the first. Mm, Well, the first thing that I will say, usually the first is the change that typically needs to be made in whatever space this first is actually happening in. So um, I've always looked at the first as a positive um, it's, it's very influential. It definitely has some some self-worth attached to it. But mm-hmm. for that person, there is a, a very detrimental 
mental health space that comes along with being the initial changer of whatever circumstance you see fit to disrupt. So it's it comes with a lot of pressure, a lot of weight. And this is why initially when the conversation was presented to me, I immediately fell into anxiety. Mm. Like thinking about feeling emotionally outnumbered, Hmm. um, physically outnumbered, mentally outnumbered, because usually in some type of time frame, when you're elected as the first, the family and the rest of the world looks at the first as the only. Yes. Yes. So there's a privilege that they see when Mm -hmm. they see you as the first. Agreed. The second definition of it is foremost in position, ranking, or importance. So you're right. Mm. There is a pedestal that comes with the first. In in certain instances, depending on where and what you're the first in, you're a god to some people. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, and I, I said this to some people before, it's like, even though we were all taught to look to the heels for which cometh our help. Mm-hmm. For some reason, because I got mine first, your resource seems a lot steeper or skyscraping in comparison to mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So naturally, what you do is you'll indict me to see the importance of bringing you with me to wherever it was I became the first at or the first in. Yeah, And that's yes. unfair because you're not even going to let me enjoy. Mm. The fruit of that labor. You're already going there. Yes, because there is, I, I sent you in the notes that I sent. I said, for me, is it in our community, the black community, that being the pathfinder, the one who quote unquote made it, is it romanticized? And it definitely is. Right? What you just said reminds me of what I asked you. Is it romanticized? Because like you said, everyone's like, oh my God, you made it, so take me with you. You're flying, so let me hold on to your string, right? Let me mm-hmm. soar with you. But did the first even get a chance to enjoy or even dissect and understand what it means to be the first before exactly. they are t- and burdened with taking people with them. Right, right. Which is very, very scary. And you and I were talking about the first, and I brought up Keisha Cole. For those of you who don't know who Keisha Cole is, go into your 2000s, honey, and look up R&B. You're going to see her right then and there, okay? She, yeah. she, she, was, she was doing the damn thing then, and she was one of the first to have a reality show about her life. And mm-hmm. in my opinion, the reality show is the reason why now she is not as big or as famous or as far as she should be, in my opinion, because she was the first in her family to make it. Make it meaning mm-hmm. money-wise, make it meaning notoriety, make it meaning out the hood, make it meaning doing something that she was able to change her life with and the life of other people with. Would you agree, BJ? I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And when you watch the show, it breaks my heart because, yes, she's human and, yes, the family's human. But because of the dysfunction that was displayed, mm-hmm. because she was not able to do exactly what you said, BJ, she wasn't even able to enjoy the climb. She wasn't even able to sit and rest and even understand where she was at to me being the first. She was the first to display how being the first is romanticized. What do you say? Ooh, um, there's some first in that show that I personally feel like we should have noticed before 
we recognize the responsibilities that Keisha took. Now, let's just think about this from the analytical place. When you find out that your mother is who she is in the darkness, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, You find out all of the things that your mom is doing. She's telling you how she did it, how she made her money, you know, drugs, the whole nine. Now, keep in mind that she's telling you what she is. So whether that be prostitute, Mm -hmm. crackhead, whatever it is, she's telling you who she is. Right. And then you gift her with a better life that she that she knows she wants, but she didn't choose for herself. Mm -hmm. To me, those are first that oftentimes backfire. Yes. Because you're making the choice of better for people who haven't made those choices for themselves. for themselves. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me pass the... Yeah. Com- yeah. I can't even talk. The collection plate. Glory be to God. Say yeah. that one more time, please, BJ. It is so many people who mm-hmm. choose the best for people who haven't choosed it for themselves. Yeah. And that is the, the idea behind when I get rich, I'm going to buy my mother a house. Yes, yes. And yes. You, buy the, you buy mom a house because you feel like she gave you life and everything that comes with um, that package right. that your mother provided for you. But understand that mama was a crackhead. Mama mama is a crackhead. Mama right. is a crackhead. Mama was, right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. part of that first for you is um, probably going to be damaging because the first exposure you get to what a crackhead is, is your mom. So it's yeah. going to be some compassion there. Yeah. You're going to make some supplements for that idea of, I shouldn't really do this, but that's my mama. But that's my mama. And I was raised, our community is raised, that family mm-hmm. is over everything. Everything. And you yeah. know how I feel about that. Hell no. There's not yeah, going to be nope. family over my sanity. There's not going to be family over my peace. There's not going to be family over any aspect of my health. Okay? And yeah. She definitely came to that, not just with her mother, her siblings. Mm-hmm. Her siblings. Oh, Lord, which was a mess, a hot Coming mess. Coming out of everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. And I watched it, and I watched this young woman just not even, as you said, getting to relish. Because when mm-hmm. you are the first to make something, when you are the first to cross over where your ancestors didn't or couldn't, when you are the first, I believe you deserve the right to enjoy the joy of your labor. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And when we take people with us, we put everybody in the success car or the success wagon, BJ, and we don't realize that weight holds down the ride. That's Wait, true. Folks, are you true. in my wagon or what they say, you in the boat, but you're not paddling. Mm-hmm. So you got me working overtime, triple time, quadruple time ex- to exhaustion while you're sitting back and you're actually adding weight and you're doing nothing to move us forward. Yeah. And you're the person that has expectations with no responsibility. Ooh, child, you a leech. So yes, you a leech. Yes, yes, Even yes. as my mama, daddy, bald head granny, you are a leech. <laughs> Not the bald head granny. Yes, you are a leech. I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. There, there has to be a reckoning for the first. And yeah, as we yeah. said, there are many examples of the first. So I want you to give 
something from yourself. Tell us, BJ, where, when you mm. saw this topic, you said you wanted to get personal, you were right, going to right. drop it on us. Tell me what you meant by that. What's the first that you experienced? Um, there was a point where I rebelled against the church and mistook it for abandoning God. I can honestly say by um, a huge portion of um, that same family that we talked about on um, where two or three are gathered. Mm-hmm. Um like spiritually manipulative, like, you know, Bible belting me into things that I didn't necessarily feel and um, couldn't make decisions for myself. And there was this uh, very interesting moment where I realized that I wasn't completely Christian, even though I had Christian values. Mm -hmm. And um, the exposure to other religions and beliefs came to me by my father, who at that time wasn't known or seen in church as much as his siblings and immediate family. So um, to his family, he was the, you know, heathen. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, this very interesting moment at Thanksgiving dinner, um, they had a conversation and my auntie kind of bucked up and um, she was thinking in her you know, in her confidence and showing herself approved, she felt like she had to know more about the word than my dad. Hmm. And my dad beat her ass with the Bible. <laughs> and she was embarrassed because the head deacon who know just as much as my dad is sitting there and he giggling because he just, he enjoys that his namesake is that spiritually in tune. And so my grandfather says to my aunt, I don't know why you thought you was going to talk to little Dave about the Bible. He know more than me. Hmm. And it woke something up in me. I'm like, how is this man who never goes to church knows more than the person that's glued to the pew? Right. And so one night me and my father had this relationship where we'll go months without seeing each other because we're both working men. So he knows I'm at work when I don't answer the phone. I know he's at work when he's not answering the phone. But when we get together, it could last for 10 hours Mm -hmm. of just conversation alone. Mm -hmm. And so one night he pulled up on me and we sat in the parking lot and he put on uh, Pastor Gino Jennings, which is he's a very confrontational teacher Mm -hmm. of God and the Bible. And we watched this uh YouTube video. And at the end of the video, my dad asked me, where do you think heaven is? And in that moment, I was scrambling for scriptures. I'm trying to impress my father. Mm-hmm. And I thought about Uncloudy Day, the song. Mm-hmm. But um, I felt like at the age that I was, because I was a grown man, it seemed imaginative. It wasn't, it wasn't a mature answer. So right. Um, in my spirit, I just said, heaven is a mind state. And that turned into him um, teaching me about the Torah, the missing books of the Bible, the book mm-hmm. of Enoch, the Quran, and all of these different things. And so we had like a conversation about me as a spiritual being. And that changed the way that I looked at church forever. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Forever. Now, I could tell these things to my father. And we could have a very fluent conversation. Um, He understands where I'm coming from. And then he'll also correct me if I'm just being a a little too carnal about 
some of the things that I'm thinking and feeling, but I can never have this conversation with my mother. Hmm. Who's Hmm. the devout Christian who glued to the pew. Right. So, um, the first of first was to accept myself regardless of, as to whether who it is decides to accept me. Yes. I don't care if you, my mom, I don't care if you, my grandma, I'm going to tell you everything in your book ain't for me. Everything Everything in your belief ain't for me. Yes. Say that again. Like seriously, DJ, say those last two sentences again. (laughs) Everything in your book ain't for me. Everything in your belief ain't for me. You know, in my house, we serve the Lord. Okay, I'm going to live here for 18 years and I'm going to move. Right. Just right. have that have that in mind because sometimes that is conditioning for you to be stuck. Right. In a belief that ain't for you. In a belief that's not for you. It sounds like you are, you're saying you were the first to liberate yourself in some mm-hmm. type of spiritual way or excuse yeah. me, religious way. Because Mm -hmm. to me, there's a difference between spirituality and religion. And what, as a pastor's kid myself, I relate to what you're saying as far as discovering the Lord for yourself. Yes, yes. Defining Mm -hmm. what it means to be a believer, defining what it means to be spiritual, defining what God is for you Mm -hmm. in your life. And that is a huge first because there are some cultish aspects to the church. And for those of you yeah, who don't know yeah. what we're referring to when we say the church in the black community, that is the black church. That's your Pentecostal, that's your Baptist and so forth and so on. It's a community. Yes. But there are aspects to it that are oppressive. In my opinion, mm-hmm. there are aspects to it that are sexist. There are aspects to it that are cultish. In addition to, of course, there are aspects of it that do help heal, save and deliver people. Right. And a sad thing about it, and um, I want to make this relatable to those people who don't quite understand how serious this thing is. Now, do you realize that the reason why you are afraid to go to the doctor is not because you're afraid of needles? Say it. The reason that you're scared to go to the doctor is because the church told you that God is the doctor in the sick room. So subconsciously, you think that if you go to church for everything that seeks direct attention, it will mythically go away. Yes. You think you can pray it all away. Yes. So when you say he's the lawyer in the courtroom and the friend, you won't. Right. You won't go seek counsel for your issue because you think that if you glue yourself to the pew, it's just going to mythically disappear. Child, my ties and orphan is ready to go to change the subject. Baby, let me tell you, you are not lying. <laughs> you are not lying. You are told, again, bro, we, I'm going to keep bringing up the word romanticized, right? Mm-hmm. We are romanticized into believing that if you do anything outside of pray it away, tarry it away, sing it away, and worship mm-hmm. it away, you are cheating on Jesus, right? You are cheating yeah. on mm-hmm. the Lord. If you go to therapy, Now, I'm not talking about the new church. I'm not talking about the current mega church flow. I'm not talking about your T.D. Jakes. I'm not talking about your Joe Osteens and everybody else who I have seen myself with their sermons championing self-help. I'm not talking about them, right? Because even Mm -hmm. they had to come a long way. I'm talking about the church that we grew up in that I really felt that any time that I felt prayer wasn't enough, that that meant I was doing something wrong. Something wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Continue, BJ. Sorry to cut you off. You just got me riled all up. <laughs> funny, the first to set yourself free from religion. Free. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you, what I think that, what I think that you don't understand in this space a lot of times is that finding yourself is, it comes with all of the things that you feel like you're lacking mm-hmm. in your self-esteem and your self-worth. And it's, it's crazy how you'll supplement a lot of the things that you really want for just Jesus. Yeah. Like you'll say, you know, um, one of the most beautiful gospel songs that I love um, is Satisfied by the Walls Group. Yeah. You know, if I never get that house, that car, you know, and it's telling you I'm still satisfied with Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Now, let's be honest. Let's just be real. Mm -hmm. How happy (laughs) are you without the house, the car? Yeah. If you had to settle for somebody you don't have direct contact with all the right. time. Say that. Like, let's talk, let's call a thing a thing. <laughs> let's how call happy it a will, thing. Let's call a thing a thing. Like, how happy will you really be if you never get out whatever situation you're in? Right? Mm. How happy will you really be? How how sustainable is just singing a hymn that says, I'll be satisfied, Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. How how realistic is that for you right. as a person who works hard for those things? Right. Who, and who, who is taking action to get those things? Yeah. And right. the book actually promised you those things. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's be honest about how we feel about those things and, yes. and stop trying to to band-aid our emotions with spirituality that we can't confidently stand on because our humanity is not where it needs to be. I think that like headspace will make a difference to the ideas that you'll begin to have as that first, like you have to clear a lot of your headspace. You have to like cut off. Sometimes you got to cut off music. Yes. Um, and and really sit with your thoughts, um, start journaling and writing your ideas and your feelings down mm-hmm. and you'll begin to find your own identity outside of what has been medicating you for your entire life to feel that it's OK to feel these inferior feelings as long as you have. Yes. What the rest of the world is satisfied with. Yes, because you're allowed to not be satisfied with what everyone else is satisfied with. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, rem- I remember being one of the first young people in my church to have those questions and articulate and vo- be vocal with these questions about, well, how come in the Bible, you know, y'all preaching, but she was a slave, but she was raped or, you mm-hmm. know, I had questions and I was just like, but how come she don't got money to feed her kids, but you telling her to give money to this church mm-hmm. and how come they got to, you know, there was things I didn't understand. So if this is a community building place, if this is what the church is for, the church originated as a place where we can come together and be community and feed one another, not just feed each other spiritually, but actually tangibly feed each other. It was a community based production. But you mm-hmm. have people in your church who, I, I mean, I'm t- I, you can ask hype, BJ. There was actually a girl who didn't have formula to feed her baby, but she's in choir rehearsal. 
right? And I'm, we were just like, <laughs> what is happening? You don't have Pampers, you don't have formula, but you're dedicated to be here on a Monday night from like seven to 10 to get these hymns and these words and this song and this clap and this sway together to perform on Sunday. Why is that the priority? And why mm-hmm. is it as the church house, your pastor, your deacons, your first ladies, your mothers, why the choir director, why is that okay with everybody here? It's really the same concept of the first because yes. um, there were points where um, like different family members, my mom has done it. A lot of my aunties have done it. Like um, they'll commit to whatever auxiliary right. they are the head of. So they'll say, well, I can't be missing on Thursday because yes. I'm the president of the choir. Yes. Okay. But you got a vice. Right. So let the vice get an opportunity to feel like somebody right. and give them that chance to step into your position. Maybe this is the, the comfort level um, or the positioning for you to do a first, which is do something for yourself. I say, that. you know, say that. Yes. Maybe you are the president so that you can delegate. And exactly. allow other people to shine so that you can then go do another first that you have yet to do. Mm-hmm. Because that's most mm-hmm. of the that's most of the issue in the church when you think about the the beef and the gossip is that right. the person who is in the position is consistent in that position. There's yes. never an opportunity for somebody else to be seen, heard, or felt. Yeah. So. I feel like in those positions where you are the president, yes, you are the example, but yes, you make the judgment too. Mm -hmm. So give this person, give the vice president the opportunity to do their job. Give people the, the resources, because again, the first of, you know, the first of any kind, you're needed for resource more than anything. You need to be the, the instrument to that opportunity for another person to be just as successful or close to successful as you. So I think that like those concepts of the first of many is, I mean, it's very difficult because in a sense, if you come from my background, you almost feel like an outcast or a black sheep because you're challenging love relationships Mm -hmm. and traditions that your family foundations are built on, but what you are not considering is you are renewing your mind in a completely different way. And you'll find that you are probably a person that is braver than the individuals that are like scolding or, you know, talking down to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You possess a level of bravery that they didn't have, or they didn't know that they could have. Right, right, right. There are so some you, people who wanted yeah. to do what you do. There's some people who wanted to be the first like you are, but the system that they grew up in told them mm-hmm. that that was just not acceptable and you're right. brave enough. So a lot of our ancestors are jealous of the first mm-hmm. because it's not about you being disrespectful. They will label it as disrespect, but what it really is is I'm envious that you got to actually say and take action on the words you said that I right. wish I could have. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so, where a lot being, of the shame comes right. from. Mm-hmm. And being the first to do it, like what you probably don't see is you're breaking a generational curse in front yes. of an audience. It's yes. like almost in front of an audience who's scared to applaud. 
Yes. Yes. So you have the knowledge of who you are and the self equity to stand up to your oppressor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, there is no rule book for you. You are the innovator. You're, you're the changer right. in this situation. So you have to really, as the Bible, well, not the Bible, but as songs say, encourage yourself. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. in standing up for yourself, a lot of times there's no guidelines to that. You just have to know that this is who I am and this is all I'm going to accept from you as who I am. Absolutely. And one of yeah. the burden, one of the burdens of being the first, as you just said, there is no rule book. There is no guideline. So when you are the first, you're literally creating the guidelines, right? Mm-hmm. You're the one who turned the knob and opened the door. Actually, you created the door. It wasn't even a door there. You built the door, opened mm-hmm. it and walked through it. So you don't have the, the luxury of being the second or the third to come behind you and not only follow you, but even tweak and make your first steps better. You don't have that luxury. So yeah. you literally have to encourage yourself and be your own cheerleader when you're the first at anything because you are the blueprint. Mm-hmm. You can't build the foundation without your blueprint. You are the reason. You are the pathfinder. You are the guide. You are the light. You are the reason that the next person will have a chance to do something similar, better, or you know, greater, excellent, whatever it is that you've done. And I really want people to understand that Though the first is, again, something that sounds really good. It, it really does when you talk <laughs> about it. It's like, oh, I was the first in my family to go to college. I was the first in my family to graduate college. I was the first one out the hood. I was the first one to acquire this wealth. Well, yes, it is good that you were able to go further than your predecessors, further than your ancestors. But what BJ and I are saying is we want you to be fully aware that these first labels come with baggage, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel because the black community has been oppressed so long, BJ, because white people have appropriated everything that we did that was the first. You got white girls saying they invented cornrows and door knockers. You got white guys <laughs> saying <laughs> no for real. When you look every time you look up, we're being appropriated in some way. And that's how I feel about the situation, especially with social media. There's more eyes on the appropriation. Vogel put out the next spring uh, top 10 things and everything is something that the black culture has had, you know, running rampant in our community for generations. Right. So I feel like yep. because it's been appropriated so much. That's why the romanticism of the first comes, because when we finally get acknowledged for the things that we've created, we act as if the burden is irrelevant in comparison to the celebration. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. I am I am another first of um, giving my grandparents an ultimatum and not a boundary. Talk about it. What you talking about? Talk about it. <laughs> I had a I had a situation um, with my grandfather, and it hurts me a lot. Because, you know, growing up, he was a hero, but um, relationships and status, of course, because he was a first. Yeah. Um, relationships and status kind of changed who he was to me. And there was a conversation. Um, I'm very transparent about um, in my early 20s, I uh, had a daughter and I lost her at 11 days old. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember going around to... Um, tell all of the men that I respected that I was becoming a father right now this is like a chain of command for me 
and I'm terrified. You know, I'm telling my dad who been telling me since 17, like don't have no kids because I got seven at this point because the the ones that were married into the family plus the ones he had. So he like, look, I don't do that. I didn't listen. So um, I tell him first, you know, we had our, you know, 10 hour man to man. Then I went to his father and I thought that he was going to be the worst mm-hmm. of the people I introduced this to. And um, the first thing that he said to me is, are you going to be there? Hmm. That's a part of my name. Right. Are you going to take care of that baby? We don't have Jacksons around that we don't take care of. Hmm. So it was, you know, so I'm like, all right, this is cool. So now I got to talk to the hero. Yeah. Right. And um, his opinion was like so devastating. Cause it was almost like, it was almost like he didn't see me for the person that he took part in molding and shaping. Mm-hmm. So, um, fast forward some years go by and, um, there was a situation where, um, one of his daughters, you know, that was, it was his girlfriend's daughter, but of course she's his daughter. You know, we're in the car, she's my age. And, um, there was a conversation. I don't think he even realized that he said this, but um, there was a conversation about her having a baby. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that she was going to get the treatment that I got in my mind. I thought it, but it was like largely different. And the comment that he made that broke my heart was, I'm not so much concerned about her relationship with the father because I know what kind of stock he comes from. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in the car with him and I and I just didn't understand, like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? Again, I know that he doesn't realize that he said this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, this was the first time I stood up for myself in front of a man that I looked at as a hero. Mm -hmm. So um, there were points where the family would get together and. Of course, you expect everybody to show up, all the kids. I'm not a kid no more. Right. Right. So Brandon don't show up. Then it's like, well, I said all the kids. I'm not a kid no more. Mm -hmm. So um, there was a point where like my aunts and my mom and so many people were trying to intervene. And I wasn't telling them what happened. They Mm -hmm. just thought that I was just being defiant. And I said, you know. I'm not coming. And so finally I had to tell them what happened. And all of them looked at me with a broken heart. Like I can understand why you wouldn't want to be in the presence of a person that would say something like that to you. Right. Okay. So now in typical first fashion, you're standing up for yourself and you have this moment where you know that this is unacceptable. And then you have the people around you that are tell you, Oh, well, that's your granddaddy. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you don't want something to happen to where, don't do me like that. Because right. don't, true don't enough. Don't give me the life of shorts. Don't do no, it. No, don't give me the life of short. Because don't if life it. was short, he would apologize by now. So don't do that whole thing with me. Don't, don't grieve me, me mm-hmm. about my standards. Yes, yes. You know don't, what I'm saying? Don't manipulate me emotionally. Mm-mm. 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 So as long as you know that, I respect them. I love them. 
since you see him, pass the message. Mm-hmm. But until there's a conversation about that situation, we won't share the same space or energy or air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's something that has to be addressed there. Why did you see me less than a stranger? Right. In the same circumstance, that mm-hmm. has to be accounted for. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of things that your grandparents have to account for that kind of puts you in the position where you had a kid before you was ready because mm-hmm. you was babysitting before you was ready. Ooh, yes. Let's take oh, ownership. You know what I'm saying? Take put, ownership. How we put of, you in a parental position when you were a child. Right. right. You had seven kids that, that big mama couldn't take care of. And now you mad at the oldest because she became a mama. Right. Well, she was already a mama based on how y'all set her up. That that was pretty much that y'all pay her parent parental tuition early. Right. You stamped her as a mom before she yeah. was a mom, before she even got out of childhood, which is which is something if you don't mind, it's something I want to segue into. And when we're talking about the first, let's talk about the firstborn in a family. Mm. I am yes. not the firstborn. I am the middle child. I'm under the Lucky firstborn. You. Yeah. It co- <laughs> well, we're going to have a we're going to have to see we gonna have to have a whole middle child episode because <laughs> y'all have no idea. The oldest swear it just be about them. But I'm a, I'm a digress. I'm going to digress. No, right, but seriously. Right. Having an older sibling, I am a middle child, but I am an oldest. So I'm in a unique situation and position where I'm not the oldest to the oldest, but I'm the oldest to the youngest. Also a little sister to the oldest. So I see things from both angles, but there is nothing. I will never compare being the middle child to being the first child because essentially the firstborn is a guinea pig, right? Oh yeah, trial and error. Trial and error. The firstborn is a guinea pig because as we said, when you're the first, being a first time mom and dad, you didn't, even with a book, no one can tell you how your child is going to be. You can read what to expect while you're expecting. You can watch every baby movie. You can talk to every mother and father and doctor in the world until you have your own kid and their own personality and their own makeup and DNA and all that stuff that comes with it. I don't think any of it any of the the information that's out there could prepare you for your child's individual personality. What do you say about mm-hmm. that? I think that's true. Yeah. Um, I, I really hate the firstborn perception mm-hmm. because it's almost like um, I have a very interesting issue with people that feel like I should be jealous of my baby brother because my baby brother the, the youngest of all of my father's children is his namesake. Okay. But I'm the most like him. Mm-hmm. So I'm supposed to compete with my baby brother about a name that I don't even want. Right. So they're saying, you're saying that your family believes that you should have had the name first yeah, because you were the I'm first. So you should have been the, the first one. Yeah. Got it. Okay. It's so- like you... It's a certain entitlement that comes with it. It's a certain idea of positioning yes. that comes with it. Yes. It's almost to it's almost to where you become like the second parent yes. in a sense. Yes. But that again comes from a lot of the family traditions of insufficient parenting on their parts. Yes. So um, you put your big brother into this mind frame of him being almost like a father or your yes. sister as almost like a mom because she's taking a part of your caretaking. Yeah, but she's taking again, some of your responsibility. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So when you when you look at your firstborn and you say, well, this is the one that kind of made me a mom, you have to understand too 
that while you became a mom and some of those instances, so did your daughter. Yes. Say that. So did your firstborn. So did your daughter yeah, or your son. Yeah. Yes. They became a parent, an unsolicited parent. Like they didn't ask for this. Mm-hmm. They yeah. lost a lot of their childhood being responsible for your responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I feel like a that. lot of I'm sure you did. And a lot of older brothers and sisters did. And for those of you who are firstborn brothers and sisters, uh, siblings and sons and daughters who don't feel that burden, we're not talking to you. Right. <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking to you. We talking to those of you who understand and still as adults with your own children or your own lives who still have unresolved issues, traumas, needs that the younger version of you had that has never been resolved about being the firstborn. The pressure mm-hmm. to be the guinea pig for your mom and dad. And let's say this, BJ, that's if both parents was around. There are true, tons of first true. children who are from single parent households or households where they had no parent and they were shipped off to Titi's house or Big Mama's house or through foster care. Like there are so many levels to being the first that I don't really feel that they get acknowledged for the level of sacrifice that they didn't ask for that they had to give. That they had to give. Yeah. 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 That yeah. they had to give. You're the guinea pig. You're you're getting all of the... It's like you're a science project. It's like you're mm-hmm. the first time. We're taking you apart and we'll put you back together and we'll either overcompensate and spoil you and love you to death and or we will, you know, push you to the side as soon as the second one comes, if there's a second one, because you can be the firstborn and then the only child as well. Right. And right. there comes a separate thing with that because then all the focus is on you. All the focus is on you. And you don't have another sibling to have your parents divert anything to. And I find when I coach people, BJ, that when there is an only child that is the first and only child, the pressure is completely different than when there's a group of siblings. Does that make sense? Yeah. When you become of age, of course, you have to sit down and have a conversation with your parents. Yes, yes. Because um, there's a certain relationship. Well, I'm going to be personal. I'm going to be personal. Um, I never really had the opportunity to to bond as much with my siblings because they made me out to be the parent mm-hmm. in most of those instances. Like, I always had to be, like, the the secondary you know, guardian in a sense when it came to all of my siblings. I remember when, um, you know, I had like moments of like needing my father and there were points where he was occupied with five of my siblings, you know, um, you know, not really having, you know, the best handle on those, you know, issues with my other, you know, siblings. And there would be moments where I'm like, well, why is he not here? And my mom would do, you know, ultimately what any good parent would do, you know, would tell you, well, you know, you're the one that's, you know, in the position of, you know, better care. And your dad has to attend to those who ultimately need them more. It's kind of like the same idea of when the one sheep goes astray, mm-hmm. gotta leave the 99 to go right. get and the go one. go find that one. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, cool. But then what happens in, in that space of being the first, you realize that 
a lot of your needs are cut short yes. for people you made me also participate yes. in taking care of. So what exactly was the reward for me assisting you in those responsibilities that you, I guess, assume for yourself? Like yeah. you have to have like a real conversation. Um, unfortunately, the conversation I had with my dad was a little bit rougher um, than that conversation should be when you finally get to a point where you just want a certain level of respect as an adult. You want to, you want your feelings to be acknowledged. Like yeah. all of these things are um, huge first for the firstborn, you know, Absolutely. to know to know that you see me as somebody who supported you and your responsibilities because you don't hear many parents say, I would like to shout out my firstborn for kind of helping me through the trial and error of my motherhood when the other siblings were born. You don't hear right. that conversation. You sure, you, know? <laughs> you sure enough don't get the accolades and the award ceremony that you deserve no. as older. No, you don't. And in addition to parenting your siblings, sometimes you're also parenting your parents. Right. Because oh, man, yeah, look, child, you could be the first in many as the oldest sibling, because many of our parents, of course, became parents without parenting themselves. They also had unmet needs. They also had childhood traumas and wounds that were never resolved or even acknowledged. Uh, so they ended up becoming parents, you know, wrapped in adult flesh. They were still children wrapped in adult flesh, having children. So yeah, then you put yeah. that same burden on your firstborn. And it's not only towards their siblings, if you have siblings as the firstborn, but you also put it on them for them to now parent your inner child. And oh, man. <laughs> listen, the first, again, the first comes with many burdens. And, you know, for me as, again, I'm not the firstborn. I am the secondborn, but I'm still an oldest sister. With the uh, pressures I feel or felt as an oldest sister, I know that it was double for hype. I know that for a fact. Her vantage point, what she went through, it's, it's, it's something that I think about often. Because wow, I, wow, I I do. Wow. I think about it often because I remember things that my mom may not remember or being the middle one or the second one, I had a different vantage point than both of them. So And that's interesting that you say is. that because um when I did talk to her about, you know, a lot of her upbringing, the the one thing that you will be the first in in your family, immediate family at least, is the, the, I guess the, the, what is the word? I guess it would just be mental health and wellness. Yes. I healing. Guess. Yes. Yes. Healing. Yes. I am the first. That's what I was going to share about being the first. And right. I'm the first in my family to take my emotional and mental health seriously past mm -hmm. praying it away. I'm the first right, to right. actually go to and stick with therapy. Okay. I said stick with therapy because mm -hmm. many people, and I'm not just talking about my family. Many people will be like, now I'm, I went to therapy. I said, stick with therapy, not book one session, but understand that when the doctor prescribes the whole pill bottle, it's not for you to stop taking it because you feel a little bit better. If he says you take this for 21 days, you take this mm -hmm. for 21 days. Right. So I'm the right, first right. to consistently actively make my 
actions match my words when it comes to my mental, emotional, and spiritual health connected and combined. And that, as a first, oh my, was a huge burden because these are people that I love and adore. Mm-hmm. Hype is one of my soulmates. She's more than just my sister. I adore my mother and pops. I adore my sister, Faith, my sister, TC, my nieces and nephews. I adore them all. But when you're healing and pain managing and really taking accountability for your actions and moving in a way where it's only towards progress and not constantly rehashing the past and turning mm-hmm. up and flipping tables mm-hmm. and fighting and holding grudges and using silence as a weapon and all of the things that we've done as a dysfunctional loving family for all those years it's hard to be at thanksgiving bj yeah <laughs> you know it, it, it's hard to be at the nieces and nephews birthday party it's hard to have a conversation with these loved ones because once you see you can't unsee Right. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're Mm-mm. the first to actively say, I'm not going to gossip. I am not going to fight. I am not going to argue. Once you're the first that says I am protecting my peace at all costs. And if that means that as a family member, we will not have interaction. That is very difficult because it what people don't understand is growth is lonely. Right. Yeah, it is. It is. You're moving alone. We talk about being the first. Being the first comes with being your own cheerleader. And being the first means you have to wipe your own tears. And these are not tears of trauma. And these are not tears of pain and all the stuff you used to wipe your tears for. These are tears of loneliness in this holy land. Yeah. I have very few friends. I remember losing like a mass part of my group of homeboys because of the the traumas from yeah. relationships. And I remember um I remember being afraid to admit that I was actually considering celibacy mm-hmm. as a um a young adult at this particular time because all my homies had hoes. Right. <laughs> so hoes in different area codes. Yeah. So yeah. I remember like um I remember the the separation was like happening right then and there when I just was not subscribing to women yeah, at all. Like emotionally, I didn't want to talk to them. It was just like, look, I'm done. So it was more than sexual celibacy, you're saying. You literally yeah. like shut down anything with the mm-hmm. you know, opposite sex. Okay. Like if you talk to like, you you know, Christian, them chakras will yeah. tell you. I have told them a many a day, I can't fuck with y'all right now. Right, right. Like, I have to set like, that boundary. Just, yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I make it clear, like, I just, sometimes the energy is too much. It's mm-hmm. not to say, like, I'm discarding, but it's too much. And I had learned that. Yeah, yes. I learned that from being the first to set healthy boundaries with women because yeah. I'm accountable for every woman in my space. Yeah. All the time. Every day. Yes. All the time, That's like when we were all together. Thank God for Danny, because <laughs> I would have been in a house full of women. Yes, he's used to being in a house full of women too. I get it. It's a lot of estrogen. Yeah, my pops too. It's funny because now that you mention it, every man in my life is always the only man in the situation. Mm-hmm. In the situation, my pops raised us all, and there are no boys until his grandsons came down the line. So you're right. Oh my goodness, yeah. I can't imagine what that feels like for you guys. And it's it's not so much that we dread the responsibility; is that a, a lot of times there's no 
off switch because yeah. the minute you cut one of them off, the right. other one still needs and it becomes this cycle. So it's naturally, domino effect. Yes. Yeah. So naturally, I saw a shift in all of my relationships. And honestly, that same shift that happened in my immediate circle also happened in podcasting too. Hmm. Hmm. So um, I remember we had a we had a group. Usually, um, a lot of us would get together around November because there's this, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, and Detroit feud based <laughs> on football. Yeah. And that brought a lot of podcasters together. So um, me and Penrose decided we were going to get like a huge suite mm-hmm. at the Renaissance Hotel. We invited everybody down. And there was this conversation about, you know, uh, chemistry. Mm-hmm. And you meet a chick, y'all cool, y'all vibing, everything seems right. And then out of nowhere, the hormones begin to come into the equation mm-hmm. and somebody presents themselves as a physical sacrifice. The okay. question to me was, what would you do? Would you take it or not? And at the time, I'm finding myself in knowing how to adjust to leadership with women and knowing how to um, understand how far we as men could get if we stop romanticizing everything that involves women. Like, we'll be a lot further. So I'm understanding all of these things. And this is that period of celibacy. And I was challenged in this space. And most of the men in the podcast culture at that time thought that I was just caping for women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So again, <laughs> it's that moment of you feeling outnumbered. You the only one in this space that feel the way that you feel. Right. Are you going to stand on that shit? Right. Ten toes down. Ten, Ten toes, toes down. down. Yes. And now, you know, almost two, three years later, the relationships with all of those people have changed because the more that I podcasted and talked about all of these processes of my first it's like, that's what he meant. Yeah. That's what he was going through. And I can tell you now because I understand it and how important it is for you to kind of, you know, plant yourself. You have to be, as the church say, you know, planted by the water and, you know, all of these things are happening. They're going to happen. You got to be that tree that's rooted. You got to be rooted. Yes. It's going to happen. People are going to challenge the faith that you're not sure about. Well, yeah, they have to challenge you. They have to challenge you because anything you're the first in, it's new to everybody, not just you as the first. It's new to everybody around you. And unfortunately, the way the world works in any sector is someone is always going to want to take your crown number one because Mm. though you though you created the door and opened the door, after you opened it, someone's going to have the nerve to think they could have opened it better, yet they did not. They didn't. But they did. I said what I said. They did not. But they're going to have the nerve to think, oh, he or she did that. I could have did that. And then they're going to allow their ego to make them think that they need to knock you off, right, your royal throne so that they can sit there and do it better. So you're going to have that aspect. Then you're going to have people who turn their back because they're going to say you're acting brand new. You're different. And it's like, I didn't do all this work to stay the same in my Jay-Z voice, right? You 
right, damn right, right, right I'm different. You're damn right I'm different. And I want to be different. And I'm glad you noticed the difference. But the difference that people, what people don't admit about the difference is the difference scares them. They don't know who they're going to be in your life, BJ, because you now are the first at something. You've created something they've never seen or done themselves. And they're fearful that they don't have a place in your life as the first. So instead of saying that and articulating, communicating their needs, what they're going to do is turn their back on you. Right. And I would really urge for anybody hearing this, if a person tells you that you act different, change your answer. Say thank you. Hallelujah. Yes. Say, I know you noticed. I'm so glad you You noticed. Oh, shit. I must be really like living in my purpose. I'm like, doing change your answer. Yeah. Because the problem in being the first is it's almost like you still sound like the old person feeling sorry for the choices you make. Speak. Yes. So when the person say you acting funny, mm. okay, well, did you laugh? <laughs> right. Right. Because Don't I want to know that you like an right. attack. Right. Right. I right. want to know that you're connecting to the change. So if, yes. if you if I'm acting funny, did you laugh? <laughs> you know Am what I'm I saying? Acting brand new. Do you see me shining? You right. see it. You see it. You see it. You feel it. It's palpable. You can fucking taste it. And that's why yeah. you feel in some type of way. And instead of being mad at everything that you see, taste, feel and, and experience, you should be asking me how, how, how? do I get right. down? Right. How do right. I get down? And I don't have to be like you in your first, but how can I be a first in my way? Not be a carbon copy of your first, but can you show me the way on how to be a first for me? True, true. So understand when you when you become the first. Um, succeeding is not an indictment on you to take care of everybody. Yes, yes. That's Let's not, go there. Say that again, not, please. It's not an indictment on you to take care of every single person in your life. It's the yes. resources that are the most important. Right, and right. What's even more important than the resources is the resourceful people that make that transaction what it yes. is. Yes, yes. So, in those spaces of feeling like you're the first, so you have to. No, you don't. No, let's no, say that don't. again. You don't have to. And let's let's stop with what I was taught because I feel like a lot of people's lives are limited, BJ, because we stick to this, but this is what I was taught and this is what I know, all I know. What was then does not mean what it is now and what it has to be. Mm-hmm. You are allowed to change gears. You're allowed to pivot and say, I know that's what I was taught by my mother, father, the church, whomever. Right. But I no longer subscribe to that because why? If I buy my mama a house and my mother's not financially literate, my mother doesn't understand. She's never been able to take care of herself or pay a bill on time in her entire life. All I'm doing is setting myself up for failure and her for failure for me to be taking care of her for the rest of my life. Exactly. What What you need to do if you make it as far as making it out the hood with wealth, what you really need to do if you want to take people with you is set them up with financial literacy classes. That's what you need to do. Instead of giving people money who's never saved money, money for, to people who's never invested in anything, money to people who only want to buy hookah and crab legs, what you need to do is invest in getting these people education on how to make that money make money for them. Yep, yep. That's what you need to do. So I want to really quickly before we end this, BJ, we, we're talking about the downfalls of it. 
We mentioned Keisha Cole. Really quickly for me, Nipsey Hussle is another example that I wanted to touch on because a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, complain that when black people make it, no matter how they make it, whether it's rapping, celebrities, whether it's sports celebrities, entrepreneurs, whatever, they complain that nobody gives back to the hood. Right. And when you look at what Nipsey Hussle was doing all of his life prior to him being a name on everyone's lips, even when he was an underground rapper, he was definitely community based. Would you agree? Yep. I definitely agree with that. But he died. He was murdered. Not even died. He was murdered in his own community in front of his own store that he built to enhance and employ and develop his community. in. he was shot and killed in that same community. So when some people say they're the first they also say I'm the first, but I'm also called a sellout because mm. I did I did what Stephanie and BJ said. I said I didn't take everybody with me. I left the hood and I didn't come back because I didn't want the hood to berate me. I didn't want the hood to put me on a shade room, right? I didn't want the hood to put a bullet in my back. What say you about that? A lot of times we hear sellout in the wrong context. Hmm. Everything that is worth preserving is almost never going to be on the shelf. Say it. Yes. Yeah. Almost never will you find something that is worth having and preserving just laying around somewhere. Right. So understand when a person calls you a sellout, it's because you're out of their reach. This is the communication that the hood seems to misplaced in conversation with people who become successful. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you don't have to invest in your neighborhood. If there is a way to do so, most definitely do that. That is your, that is your contribution to where you were born. People who know you, um, the society in which kind of becomes familiar with you once you get your celebrity and they can trace you back to this place. Like, I right. think that it's in good taste to do that. Yeah. But I put my money where I want to put my money. I, I worked for money. it. Yes, yes, yes. So if it's in the high rise, that's where the money is going. Mm-hmm. If it's at the titty bar, that's where the money going. <laughs> right. That's where, that's where I see the most fruitful yes. or the most progressive earning mm-hmm. from. I don't, I mean, I'm not going to restrict myself to nobody's standards of what real is. Right. Because that has nothing to do with my humanity a lot of times. You know, we we say, well, okay, this person is a traitor because the minute he got some money, he went to the suburb or he mm-hmm. went to you know, some elite group with all of them white folks. Okay. Right. (laughs) Okay. I mean. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 what's the problem? And the reason why you're honestly feeling the way is because you're still there. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the fact that I grew up here. It's again, we were all looking to the hill. Right. From which cometh the help. Uh-huh. And for mm-hmm. some reason, because I got to the top of the hill first, now it seems like it's a skyscraper when it's just the molehill that you just got to keep climbing. You just got to keep climbing and you can't always wait for somebody to pull down a ladder. You got to, you know, there's a meme that goes around that I see often uh, that has someone climbing 
a mountain and people are complaining at the bottom, but it's because they're complaining, they don't see the ladder and the steps. Right. That are there that, so that, that they can there. climb up too, but they're too busy trying to throw rocks at the person who made it to the top and actually pull the figure down. Like it's mm-hmm. a mob trying to pull the person down instead of realizing like, but like we said, the first created the blueprint and you didn't even see that he or she put the stairs there for you to climb. You're so busy focusing on you still not being at the top mm-hmm. versus taking, as you said, the resources that the person who opened the door left you so that you can climb up as well. And I I remember, um, I remember hearing a guy um, tell me, I think it was, I met him through like a program or something to that effect. And I remember him telling me about how he struggled and his relationships with people because of the fact that a lot of people in his life felt like they were now in his rear view. Yeah. Now, what he said that was amazing and made a lot of sense is the closer you are in the rear view, a lot of times without you knowing you appear closer to me than what you actually are. Yes. 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 So just because you're in view, you think that I have some type of relationship or establishment with you because you feel like you're so close or you're so like you're almost parallel in a mm-hmm, sense to me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it doesn't give you any responsibility. It doesn't give you any privilege. It doesn't give you anything, right. you know? So I look at life like that now, you know, a lot of people who came up with me in whatever regards, whether that be podcasting, music, whatever, a lot of us are going to get to a point where you're going to have to go your way and I'm going to have to go mine. Absolutely. And I call Out that of respect. Relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of respect. That's mm-hmm. just the way that things are. Don't look at my first as your hindrance because right. a lot of us in typical, you know, typical fashion, when you seen somebody in your space get to that first, you stop chasing your goals and started chasing them. Yeah. Oh, Lord. And when I, Jesus, again, the collection plate is full for change of <laughs> yeah. subject. Yes, BJ. Instead of focusing on your goals, your goal is now to just focus on me. On me. Wow. 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 You lost sight of what it really was supposed to be. Instead right. of you actually saying, oh, my goodness, if that person can do it. And we're coming from the same place. Same place. That means that I could definitely do it. I already wanted to do it. I already had hope. But this person turned hope into an actual tangible, mm-hmm. right? This mm-hmm. person showed me the actual way. So hell yeah, I'm going to use that resource that that person left and I'm going to move forward. And we don't do that. Why is that, BJ? You're so right. We start to now lose focus and make it a uh, laser tunnel vision on the mm-hmm. person instead of our goals. Why do we do that? Oh man. I just think that I just think that ultimately when you see your first in whatever space and time that is, that becomes like a marker for you. Yeah. Yeah. You um you unfortunately have too many options for inspiration sometimes. Yes. When you're trying to motivate yourself to do whatever it is that you want to do because mm-hmm. the initial thought was enough. A lot of times we'll go to a conference and hear the same thing 
then you'll go to church and they'll say it in a different way, but it's mm-hmm. basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Then you'll talk to your BF, then you'll talk to a stranger, then you'll talk to a counselor, then you'll talk to a pastor, then you'll talk to, and you hearing the same things in repetition and it never moves you to do what mm-hmm. it is that you say you want to do. And a lot of times it's because of whatever that marker is, whatever that standard of now you're the second, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you, you not the initial, but again, because the first is who got it. Now you're trying to, you know, come in that close running. You will begin to stick with the only way that you saw it in the beginning, you know, and it's, it's not going to always yield you that same answer, that same reward. Mm-hmm. It's going to come a little different. You know, this person may hit for the 50,000 and you might get 10. You might get 10. Absolutely. And I feel like people have to also understand that you can't have the glow of the first without the gloom of the first. So facts, right? So we sit there and look at, like we just said, we now are focused on the person who achieved what we wanted to achieve or Let's be real. Some people don't even have the vision that the person had. They just mad Mm -mm. that they just didn't make it out, right? They didn't even want to be the singer, rapper, actor, entrepreneur, whatever. You're just now looking at them and scowling. So your focus is on them. Uh, But we don't realize that you can't want something. You can't want my rhythm and not my blues. You can't. You, true, you, you can't true, want my glow true. up. You can't want my upgrade. You cannot want my glow and not have to deal with all the growing that I had to do to get there. So when you're looking at someone at the top of that mountain and it seems glamorous and you either want to copy them, be them, or you want to pull them down because your ego and you're envious, understand that everything that you want from that person also came with trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Nobody got to the top of that mountain without some cuts on them knees. You know what yeah. I mean? Like nobody yeah. was told yes automatically. We're not talking about people who were born with daddy's money and just, you know, had $5 million loans and said they're, they're you know, startups. No, we're not talking about people who are delusional. We're talking about people who actually made it, you know, with the grit of their teeth and the work and the climbing and the busting of their ass. You can't mm-hmm. say, damn, she's shining. BJ doing a damn thing. Oh mm-hmm. my God, BJ got Stephanie on his podcast. She don't even want to talk to me. You can't have BJ <laughs> glow without his gloom. I said what I said. <laughs> You can't have DJ. But you can't. (laughs) You know why? Because those people don't understand the work that you put in to build my trust. True, true. You see, that's what I'm talking about. The glow and the gloom. Not that building my trust was gloomy for you. Only you can articulate if it was. But you had, this is a relationship. I don't open my door. I treat my, I'm sacred. I am Mm -hmm. sacred to myself. I tell people all the time, you know, it's not as, it's not as easy or hard as it seems it's yeah. just what it is it's just like um i tell people all the time that you know they'll try to like slip it in a conversation you know what do you think about me asking i'm um, nope mm-hmm. don't do it you ain't even got to say the name just nope <laughs> don't do it don't do it don't do it don't do because it. i know i honestly know like you have no clue as to like the level of conversation we have right. off the air off the air in real life you you get you get maybe a tenth of that right. on an episode. We maybe knew exactly fifth. what we right. You <laughs> we knew exactly what we came to talk about. It right. was already pretty much discussed. We laid everything out, and now we're just giving you a piece of 
right. what these conversations happen in real time. So like, yes. it's like, no, don't do that. Don't do right. that. Because I don't want you to have my first. Yes. Of, like, this is the person that introduced, it, introduced me to so many things. Yes. You know, common enemy intimacy and all the <laughs> victisipend and all of these these intricate ways to explain what my issues are. Like, I don't want you to have what <laughs> I be said, No, you can't have my first. <laughs> nah, you, nah, I'm trying. Hey, you know, it's a country. It's a country club over here. It nah. is. It's, you know how I feel about my VIP. It's a country <laughs> club. And, you know, it, it, you can say what you want, but I'm the first in my life to realize my worth on this level. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some people can take it as cocky, conceited. Yes. I say yes to all of it. All of it. You can take I'm it cool. any way you want. I'm cool. <laughs> my time is extremely valuable. I don't have the need for certain worldly things. I don't have the need for endless celebrity followers and typical basic podcast conversations. If we're going to do something, you got to come correct. And I feel like standards only make people feel inadequate because those people are not ready to rise to those standards. Right? Yeah, that's true. And that's I'm true. cool because I do have a lot of standards. I'm okay with that. I've earned these standards. And if you don't want to rise to that occasion, do not Send me a message, and that's on period. That's, that's period. Am I am I should change all the time? Hello. I change <laughs> the way I feel all the time. Yes. So I'm a that's another being. reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another complex. reason I don't deal with people because I know that tomorrow it might be different. It might be different, and it's not about yeah. being bipolar or crazy or all these things people want to label it. It's literally honoring the layered beings that we are. That we are. It's saying mm-hmm. what I needed on Monday or what I needed in 2019 or what I needed then is not what I need now. And I feel like if more people honored the spaces they are currently in instead of trying to force themselves to stay in the spaces that they were or the spaces that they're told that they have to be in, I feel like more people will be the first in their lives to obtain true happiness. True happiness. True happiness. Before we get out of here, BJ, please let me know, like, we already talked about, you know, not taking people to the promised land with you. We already said what we feel you shouldn't do as far as taking everybody with you. Can you give us one more thing that we need to say no to to relieve some of the first weight uh, that comes with being the first? Mm. The first, the first step to... Becoming your first, your first significant being, I would say is to realize that all of your experience at that point before you make the choice for yourself was everything given to you. I was made to be a Christian. I didn't choose to be a Christian. Everything about what I know about God before I made the choice to be who I am was pretty much something regurgitated to me. I was pretty much under the influence. Um, When you get to a point where you're going to make these hard choices, um, spiritually, counsel, therapy, shadow work, these Mm -hmm. processes, um, you're going to have to remove everything that you remember about your old life to inherit the life that's meant for you. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be terrifying. It's going to disappoint the people you love. It's going to make you isolated. You're not going to get invited everywhere. Nope. You're going to be promoted 
when you're thinking you're left out. You're going to be elected when you feel like you're being demoted. Yeah. Because your peace is going to be so paramount, you're not going to even care about not showing up for them dry ass turkey wings you get over there. <laughs> even though that's the people you love, you know that auntie can't cook that good anyway. Right. Anyway. We put, we put too much salt and pepper on everything she cooks. So why are you mad because you ain't get invited to that dinner? Yes. It's, you know, like just accept that leaving all of that behind for the things that you really want. And I'm not, I know we talked about Christianity because ultimately that's the conversation that we have, but whatever um, stronghold was given to you that you don't identify with anymore as an adult with your own identity, challenge it and investigate it, dissect it for yourself to find out if it still applies to you. You have yeah. that right as an adult and you're, you're going to be the first of many, but trust me, is somebody that ain't clapping that wish they had the courage to do what you're now doing in front of the people that are watching you change and evolve. So, I mean, I can tell you about the good and bad, but I can definitely say that the good definitely outweighs it because I just, I can't imagine the type of peace that I have now that I have boundaries and, you know, standards and different things that come from being the first. Yes, I love it. That's what I would say. I agree, BJ. Well said. And thank you. And what I would say as a final word to those of you who are the first, who want to be the first, who, you know, are, are nervous and scared. You know, I'm always talking about being brave. If you're scared, do it anyway. And yes, we talked about the loneliness and the isolation aspect, but a lot of my loneliness and isolation when I started to become the first in my family to heal is because I was not accepting of the newness. What do I mean by that? Yes. <laughs> right, BJ? I wasn't accepting of the newness. So what do I mean? I wasn't accepting of the new day that came, the new people that were coming because I was so used to my old friends only or so used to the old way I used to define fun, the old way I used to define friendship, the old way I used to define sisterhood, the old way I used to define fill in the blank. I was so stuck. I was resistant. I was resisting the new that came with the first, not realizing that when you are the first of something, you have to walk into a new space. So there will be new people. There will be new policies, processes, procedures. There will be newness that you never experienced before because you could not have experienced something that was never there Mm-hmm. open to the newness in the first don't be like oh our drake said no new friends i did that for a very long time and my loneliness really started to dissolve when i started to realize no 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 i do have friends who want to talk about the stuff i want to talk mm-hmm. about I do have people who I can go to brunch with and it not be a trap brunch only because I like my ratchet. Yes, but I was leaning and living in my righteous. I was, I love my ratchet. I am the righteous ratchet queen. But at the time of the first, I had to put pause on the ratchet, right? Mm -hmm. Because the newness was requiring me to really dive into the righteous. And I don't mean righteous in, oh, I'm holier than thou. I meant righteous into, I had to start reading more. Right. I was in school. I was becoming mm-hmm. a life coach. I didn't have time to do five hour brunches. I didn't have time to do happy hours. I didn't have time to sit down and talk about the normal things we talked about. I had to talk to people who were therapists, who were in the self-help world, who understood what it was to be a 35 year old back in school again. 
right? Yeah, I, w- yeah, I, was yeah. reco- I was recoiling all that newness. And then I had the nerve to say I was lonely. And then one time in meditation, it, it hit me that I wasn't lonely. It's that I was not accepting the new people that was coming into my life because I was craving the old people, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense to me. Makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. So Mm. that would be my final word if you're stepping into the first. And let's be clear. The first doesn't mean it has to be the first time it ever happened in history. It just means the first time you did it. The first time you said it. The first time you wore it. The first time you bought it. It has to be the first when it pertains to you. It doesn't have to be the first in your family. It doesn't have to be the first in your community. It doesn't have to be the first in the world. It means it's the first to you. Something that you cherish. Something that you hold value. Something that you want to achieve that you haven't done before. Your first is your responsibility. BJ. Mm-hmm. Yes, BJ, tell the people where they can find (laughs) you, who you are, what you are, and let them know why they need to be listening to change the subject. Ooh, we. Well, I am a Detroit podcaster with a Detroit podcast called Change the Subject. And what I do is I take conversations like these and I have them with different people to show you an alternative to what has been presented, whether that be through spirituality, traditions, or otherwise. We don't have the basic conversations with um, me or Steph. So um, ultimately what you would get from her, you're probably going to get that from me too. Um, Find me on Twitter at DergoBJ. That is D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter. The subject change is my Instagram page. Um, for a limited time only, I'm going to be putting out uh, audio content, but I really want to get into some more personal stuff. So you're going to see a lot of visual content surfacing. It's going to be a lot of changes um, first in my uh, creativity. And it's just important for you to kind of get in tune with what I'm doing because I really think that I'm going to be better than what people know me for and these new steps and new first that I'm going to be attempting. So definitely follow me on those social media pages and just let me know that you came from this episode because I'm pretty sure you're going to want to have a deeper conversation with me after you hit it. So that's where you can find me at. I completely agree. I am a fan of BJ's. You know I'm a fan. If you are a a listener of the I Said No podcast, if you are a part of my family, you know I don't be doing no damn two-hour episodes. But... (laughs) When I talk to BJ, I can talk to him all day. So thank you guys for listening and rocking <laughs> throughout the entire episode. This is one of the last episodes, the last free episodes of ISM Pod. And I could not let 2020 <laughs> go away without having my guy BJ on. BJ, I am so grateful for your presence for everything that you bring to the microphone and everything that you bring to me as an individual. I am grateful for you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh man. Likewise, we really empower each other in so many, so many unique ways. And I just, you know, I know that everybody can't come here. So just to know (laughs) that I'm on the ISN pod as a fan and listener and now a guest, it's just like dope. So You know, I feel the same way. I just really want people to gather what, Mm -hmm. you know, we gave today because this was, I mean, we probably could have went a lot longer with all of the things that I expected to expose 
yeah. you know, on my, you know, in myself. So I, I really enjoyed this. This was super dope. And thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And I'm going to actually offer you an invitation right now. You already know about my Patreon subscription service because you are a Patreon subscriber, one of my mm-hmm. only male Patreon subscribers. So I'm going to say that we need to put a part two up on Patreon or maybe add this discussion to our monthly group calls or do something in on that platform about this topic. Oh, wait. <laughs> All right. I'm with it. You with it? You yep, heard it. Let's you heard get it here it. first. You heard it here first, people. I'm a whole BJ to it. He is a man of his word. So I suggest mm-hmm. that you go over to patreon.com backslash Stephanie the Life Architect and get down with that subscription service. Why? Because like I said, this is one of the last free episodes of the I Said No podcast. I Said No will only be recorded <laughs> by Patreon only in 2021. So if you want some of this heat, I suggest you come on down. Okay, and get down with this magic. I'm telling you, this is magic, beat today. <laughs> Limited edition, baby. I'm telling Limited you. edition, VIP. <laughs> That's how we roll. That's me. Thank you guys for listening. Love yourself always. In always, peace. <laughs>